Welcome back to the 1009 podcast. We got that dynamic duo of me and Grayson here again coming to you tonight. Grace or Jacob is, I guess, on a meeting currently with his boss at eight o'clock at night. Or Seth is still out of pocket. Uh, he actually responded to us the other day asking what that phrase meant. Never really gave him a straight answer because he wouldn't have gotten it anyway. But we'll give him we'll give we'll give at least Seth a pass right now because it is a lull in sports right now. We got that uh nothing really going on in Arizona this weekend except for the uh famous golf tournament, the Waste Management Open. I'll be sure to keep, be keeping an eye on the 16th hole. Uh NBA, we got college coaches on the move. So just one of those uh it's that time period where waiting for the some more football and then just NBA games. Right, we're dangerously close to the lull between the NFL season and the MLB season, which is thankfully a brief period, even though the bar is pretty low with baseball. As soon as pitchers and catchers get to where they're going, then uh, we really start focusing on that. But in the meantime, we should have enough to fill a decent show for you guys. So, you know, speaking of Arizona and current events, uh, there's also the Super Bowl on <laughs> Sunday night. What's that? The Panthers aren't in it. Um, well, the Chargers will be in it next year, but that's a different Panthers story. Panthers Chargers Super Bowl? <laughs> I would not bet on that even responsibly. But, <laughs> yeah, we've got the Eagles and the Chiefs, the two one seeds, the two best teams in the league, in my opinion, unfortunately. The Niners quarterback struggles finally caught up to them. But this past Sunday, we were given a gift, if you want to call it that, in the tragedy that has become the NFL's Pro Bowl because it was bad before in a game that no one cared about. And they've come together – They've had Made meetings, they've had focus groups. <laughs> they've spent hours and hours of hard work and time to make it worse. And now it's a flag football game that is a joke. And if you thought the NBA played no defense and their all-star festivities, you ain't seen nothing like I saw Sunday. And then on the injury front, Miles Garrett dislocated his tail. So mission failed as far as player safety. So shout out to Goodell for once again nailing it. I think... <laughs> They received so much backlash over the past couple of years about just players not caring at all that they're like, okay, we're going to make it worse. Complain about this too. So you, you complain about what you had that was on paper good. I mean, it's actual football game. And then you get backyard football. Uh, you got them pulling chains, chain gangs. You got them jumping into pools. Like some of the, I mean, some of the uh, skills games were, I mean, they were kind of cool. I mean, I don't know why they had them long driving. What, what does that have to do with football? <laughs> but, I mean, some of them were fun to watch. Like, I think they had, like, a best catch. Yeah, some clips about that. Yeah. I didn't watch the second of it live, but it is just in clips about guys with some pads uh, underneath them jumping up, trying to recreate Odell's catches and things like that. So, I mean. It shows off some athleticism, but, I mean, it's still, like, it, they're reaching for right. the younger audience. It's, I mean, it's obviously, like, because people see how much the dunk contest has gotten uh, viewership of the past couple of years, three-point contest, skills competitions, at least in the NBA. And you, but you don't get that in the uh, NFL. Yeah, I mean, we've got Nickelodeon broadcasts now, so they're definitely geared in on fully going after that younger demographic and the generation after us, honestly. I mean, we're in our mid-20s now. doesn't seem like it, but we're getting kind of old. So, And then, you know, hate-watching still counts in Nielsen ratings. So I guess if they want buzz and truly believe in the uh, no publicity is bad publicity thing, then uh, I'm sure they got some numbers there. Uh, I'm sure across social media with people mocking the events and things like that, people still clicked on it. So uh, I'm sure from a click volume standpoint, 
they did just fine. And if not, they'll probably tear it down and start all over again next year. Yeah. But uh, they need a balance. Like the NBA had, like you mentioned, they've got the individual stuff. That's actually pretty entertaining. The dunk contest could use some work, uh, I think. I mean, the dunk know. contest hasn't been good since that Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine from a couple years ago. Right. Aaron Gordon got robbed like two years in a row. And now yeah. we've got guys who I'm aware of, like Mac McClung, but not even in the All-Star game. Not even the NBA. 85% yeah. of the world has never heard of. So I think, you know, while the dunks will be quality, you kind of need some names to draw you in initially, and then you impress them with the quality of, uh, for example, the dunks they're pulling off, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. The NBA All-Star game is consistent, and that's what kind of gives people an idea of what they want to watch, and if they tune in, great. If not, fine. I don't think there's many people that are new to the NBA All-Star Game for Stevies, I think you either watch it because you got money on it or your favorite player is in it or you got a guy on your favorite team in it, something like that. So I think it kind of fluctuates, but at least they're consistent in the product they put out. One thing that I liked about the NBA is when they went to that new format of like... The Elon minute, yep. Yeah, have, having to win by a certain amount in the last minute. Like they actually played defense and played organized basketball instead of dunk contests and he sh- it showed right. like how good all of these athletes are i know it's hard to do it in football too they don't want to go out there and risk a dislocated toe but i guess it's like the only option is to do seven on seven flag football for no injuries and we saw we saw how bad of a product it was yeah i mean there's a balance to be had they just hadn't found it yet i think that's really what it boils down to uh, i mean with the nba all-star game like you mentioned the elam ending the first one of those actually ended on a free throw, funny enough, but I think obviously years past that have proved it's a great product and that's a good way to end it. Because uh, in the past, before that was instituted, they would launch up half-court shots for about, call it three and a half quarters, and then you really saw some quality NBA uh, action that last couple minutes. Even if the score wasn't that close, teams actually trying to come back and you know get that competitive juice flowing. Uh, it just took too long for the average viewer to stick around. But now, like you mentioned, Elam ending... What they'll do is after, I believe, the third quarter, they will uh, turn off the clock and they'll give you a target score. And then first team to that number wins. And I think it's been an improvement. And I'm looking forward to watching it again in a couple weeks. Yeah. Along with the Pro Bowl, um, hockey also had their um, All-Star weekend. I mean, this past week. I don't watch enough hockey. I tell myself every year that I'm going to follow Canes more and more, but get away from it. But I mean, they have they also have skill competitions. I mean, they got the fastest skater, they got the hardest slap shot, um, some skill like goalie challenge and stuff like that, which is cool. It's cool to see some of those guys. I mean, any skill challenges are cool just to see the pure athleticism they put on. And then they move to three on three, which is what they already do in overtime. So fans already know what they're going to get out of those kind of matchups. Yeah, and they go by division, make it a little tournament. It's a one day thing. It's pretty fun. Um, speaking of the Canes, Andre Svechnikov actually won the fastest skater competition. I think he got around the rink in like 13 seconds, which is Holland. insane. It would take me like six hours and I'd go to the hospital after. So I yeah. uh, have nothing but respect for everybody in that competition. Honestly, I'm sure they were all quick, but uh, I did see that Hurricane took home that one. And again, it's the same thing. It's individual showcases doing relevant things people care about, and you get the best of the best to do it. And then also having a team element that's kind of dialed back, toned down, because you are midseason at the end of the day. So even if you're not out there competing at 100% like you would a normal game, it's still something uh, physical. So there's always that little risk of injury, but thankfully it's very, very rare, just like the NBA. So uh, I, I think, think they've also found a good balance there. 
football's re- you can't really put an all-star game in the middle like that's it's no yeah no it has to be in the season yeah so football's so violent inherently you really can't yeah. uh, honestly simulate it which is why i have so much trouble with it but i agree that needs to be a postseason thing and it used to be out in hawaii now i think it was in vegas so yeah still a de- destination city i think the guys that won got eighty four thousand each yeah. and the ones that uh, didn't got forty two thousand so yeah um, i mean there's compensation to be had there so yeah um, they'll figure so, it out yeah but i doubt i mean we're not it's not going to compare to the mlb all i think mlb all-star game is the best one out there i think so because like it's hard to be lackadaisical in it right <laughs> like, and it used to decide home field in the world series until recently so God, i wish it should would still as a fan of an AL team, I do too. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, even though the Angels are never getting there, but different yeah. story. <laughs> different. We're getting into some baseball talk, starting to get into the feel for things. Um, actually got the World Baseball Classic coming in during spring training right. too. I'm excited for that. We'll probably do a little, a couple of preview episodes for that. I know for sure. I'm definitely gonna be paying attention. But what we got right in front of us is the big one, ending of the season, the one and only Super Bowl. Like you mentioned earlier, Chiefs, Eagles, best teams, best players. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, I mean, I'd probably like some points, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, the game itself is about a coin flip. If you glance at betting markets, the spread has stuck at the Eagles minus one and a half for a full week now, which is not usually the norm. It'll kind of sway back and forth. Uh, by a hook here and there as money flows in on either side, but it's been pretty consistent. I think the total, if you mentioned points, they sit around 50, 49 and a half, I believe. I haven't glanced at it in a couple of days, but that's enough points for an entertaining game, uh, to say the least. So, I mean, I think it's going to be – I think we saw a great game last year. I mean, it's not like we've had some blowouts in college football. Um, we just had one recently, so I think that we'll get a much better, more competitive game in the NFL's finale. Uh but that being said, we will have a slate show out for this game and this game only. Look for that on Friday. We'll tweet it at the 1009 when we have it ready for you guys, and that'll be in audio format like you're listening here, and then it'll be on YouTube like everything else. Uh, but all that being said, just worried about winning right now. Who do you think wins this game, Bailey? I think with what he has already proven in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl, I like I like the Chiefs. I, I can't. I mean, the Eagles have been a nice story. Great run this year. They might just be a season too early. Give me the Chiefs. Yeah, it it scares me that all I've heard all week is Eagles, 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 Eagles. Uh, The betting market, I think, public money is about a three to one. So about 75% public consensus on Philadelphia, which ultimately means nothing. But it's just something to glance at and make you think about, uh, at least in my case. So... I think the Eagles win the game still. Uh, I have nothing but respect for Mahomes and what he's come back from even very recently as far as the ankle goes and all that. And this extra week off is probably massive for his recovery. So I'd expect him much closer to 100% than we saw in his last matchup, which, you know, him at 75-80% was just enough to eke out a win. And even on the bad ankle, he was able to successfully throw himself on the ground and get a flag to set up that field goal. So yeah, big props looked, to him. Clear penalty, clear penalty. Yeah, that's the uh, Steph Curry generation we got <laughs> going there. But uh, I think that I just don't know. I mean, we said about the Chiefs, the receiver room's beat up. They lost McCole Hardman for the year. He's on IR, but they are getting back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 
who, in all honesty, probably lost his job. Okay. Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> give Andy Reid any more tools to get wrinkles in that will shock not only the Eagles but us watching. I think that's very, very dangerous and something to keep an eye on. So, uh, you know, the most famous team for using running backs in mysterious ways is obviously the Patriots, but I think we could see some of that from Kansas City too. Just so a rookie is not shouldering the load in the Super Bowl on the ground, I think he's capable of it. But I think ideally yeah. in spots like that, like we just saw at Brock Purdy, uh, you want your older guys that have been there to uh, at least chip in significantly. So yeah. I expect to see a lot of a layer. Uh, well, but I just, I don't know. It's good. I was just going to say, like, with that rookie, I mean, it is a little bit different with a quarterback than a running back. He's not having to right. read every single defense and all. Um and one, I mean, obviously the big matchup is if are they going to be able to stop Kelsey? Because Kelsey and Mahomes are on pace to shatter Brady and Grant records, like for duos in a playoff. Like if he scores one or two touchdowns, then it's probably going to be favored into the Chiefs' way. Or, yeah, Chiefs' way. So that's, I mean, obviously they're going to have to be focused on whether or not to double team him or have one someone spying over him or something. I mean, yeah, on that note, I mean, I think that as a Chargers fan, I watched the Chargers outplay the Chiefs once, arguably twice, but it came down to Travis Kelsey being I guess, uh, literally unstoppable. We, I mean, Derwin James body slammed him and it did nothing. He just got up and he continued to dominate the game and led them to two more wins over my Chargers per tradition lately. Uh, but I think that if a pass defense is going to disrupt that connection, and again, outside of that connection, not a ton of options for Kansas City in the passing game. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is a nice player, but if he's your wide receiver one going into Super Bowl, you're going to have to find a lot of ways to get creative and get vertical. So I think that's going to factor in. You're going to need the backs as well. That's why I mentioned Alaire. But uh, this Philly pass defense is one of the best in the league. It's the strength of that team. They're obviously huge up the middle. You got the big guy, Jordan Davis, who's also a rookie, uh, will be starting in the Super Bowl and trying to stop the run. Uh, as he faces probably fellow rookie Pacheco in the trenches. But, I mean, the pass rush for Kansas City is going to be big because obviously A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith are far better than any receiver on the Chiefs. And if they mm-hmm. get open, uh, you're chasing the back of the jersey. It's just yep. what's going to happen. Uh, A.J. Brown, bigger physical guy, can go up and get it. A lot of Mike Williams, T. Higgins, guys like that. So I think that Eagles are going to, I think, honestly, an interception by Mahomes wouldn't mm-hmm. stun me. Uh, he's had a couple in his Super Bowls. Um, you know, obviously, he has split those. And when you, win, when, you, when you win a Super Bowl, no one cares if you threw a pick or not. But I think nah. that the turnover margins can be extremely important in this game, as high-powered as both of these offenses can be. But it's hard for me personally to go against the better defense and the better run game, that's really, really tough. Yeah. Neutral field, even geographically, out in Arizona. Uh, but that being said, it's a QB league, and Patrick Mahomes is absolutely the best quarterback in this game, if not the league. So that's where I struggle with it, but I think I'm still leaning towards Philadelphia. Uh, one more note on Kelsey. In their three losses this year, he did not score. So, like we said, if he scores a touchdown, it's, they're going to win. <laughs> like that's, I mean, that's what the, the stats have shown throughout the season. Um one note, Kansas City's defense has been playing really well. Chris Jones is going to be a factor. Um, who's that linebacker that I got that is slipping my name? His name is slipping me. Frank Clark, the other DN. All right, so yeah, uh, Chris Jones is obviously going to be a big factor in this game. Frank Clark uh, has been playing insane. you got guys like Carlos Dunlap. Their secondary has been playing very well. They're young, but they're still playing well. Um, another 
um, weapon that the Chiefs have is Harrison Butt Kicker. Um, his name's actually Butker, but y'all get the joke. But obviously beating the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. So overall, I, it very well could come down who has the ball last. Right, and I think that's something we've seen in the years past in this game. Certainly last year, Rams Bengals gave us a great game, came down to the wire. I mean, speaking pass rush, I'll flip the field here. Andrew Wiley is the right tackle for the Chiefs, and he's allowed nine sacks and 42 Ooh. pressures at right tackle, which, not great. Said out loud, doesn't sound great, especially when Hassan Reddick will be in front of him for at least some of that night, unless Former they can Panther scheme him from him. Uh, Still a great former Panther. 19 and a half sacks this year to date, including the postseason. So that is what many call yeah. a problem if those yeah. two are messed up. That's yeah, that's not good on good. That's good on yikes. Uh, yeah. So look for Andy Reid to try and avoid that matchup and the Eagles to absolutely hunt for it because the only way to really beat Mahomes is disrupt him. He's good on his feet. We will have to see the day of how dangerous he is with his legs. Obviously, he did just enough to win the last game. And he'll have had an extra week to get healthier and get more comfortable running around. Uh, but I think that if that pass rush is there, truly for either team, and these quarterbacks can both move, but they're both really, really good passers as well. So I think that, again, I mean, if you got a quarterback on the run and they're trying to throw on the run across their body, things like that, you know, Mahomes does the sidearm and the no look and all this other stuff that plays well on TikTok until he gets picked off with four minutes left and loses Super Bowl because of it. So I think that... Like we've touched on a couple of times now, turnovers are going to be absolutely massive because the Eagles get up and they get a turnover. They're just going to roll the ball down your throat, and there's very little you can do about it. Um, and I would expect to see a couple plays where that third, fourth, and short formation they've got that is so effective that teams are complaining to the NFL because they can't stop it. Uh, mm-hmm. I expect to see that prominently featured if the uh, scenario provides it. Yeah. So like Grayson mentioned earlier, we will have a slate show for you on Thursday, coming out to you on Friday. Um, I might give out some prop bets that I like. Um, oh, absolutely. Super yeah. Bowl's always a good time for those. Player right, props, right. show props, you, who knows. So. The Gatorade color. Yeah, which... Close to home for us. Yeah, and... If you judging, like the Chiefs bet orange, I'll say that. If you like the Chiefs bet red. It was orange when they won. Well, if you like I the believe. Eagles, bet green, because it was green when they won. Yeah. Um, I'll probably have a pick for that. I'll have yeah. that for the slate show. I'll do some yeah. research and figure that out. But, yeah, we'll yeah. have some fun picks. That's a close-to-home one for us. We'll have yeah. that for sure. Come on now. Um, we, if you ever wonder for Clemson, it's always orange. That's a pretty safe bet, yeah. It's probably <laughs> minus 500, but take yeah. it. See, yeah. um, we don't actually bring anything else with us, so yeah, no. it's orange. <laughs> I think we would get killed if we did. Um, a couple of – so like we said, we'll, we'll go over the Super Bowl more on Thursday. A little bit of other NFL news and news that hits closer to home for me. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Panthers obviously hired Frank Reich f- from formerly of the Colts, which I think is a great hire. Offensive mind, he's um, he kind of got screwed up there in Indianapolis with some terrible quarterback rooms after Andrew Luck just kind of said bye. Um, Super Bowl winning uh, offensive coordinator, he actually brought the Philly special f- from – there's a documentary about the Philly special that started with a coach from Somerville who's currently at Somerville coaching great collegiate in West Columbia. Chad Morris found him and ran it against Georgia tech. And you obviously know where that goes with the Philly special. Um, 
So Panthers hired Frank Reich, and they actually hired their defensive coordinator two days ago. I'm going to butcher his name, and I hate it because I listened to a podcast today that said it 50 times just because uh, he wanted to get it right. But I believe it's Alero Evero or Alejo. Who knows? Um, He was a defensive coordinator for the Broncos this past season. So, and they had one of the best defenses in the league, and he's coming to already a great defense. So, that's going to be a fun one. I doubt he coaches here for two or three years. Um, so we're still on the hunt for offensive coordinator. Hopefully, we get someone like Jim Bob Cooter. We brought in Deuce Staley for an offensive role. So, Panthers are making moves. Um, could be with Brady's retirement, which is another piece that we need to hit on. Um. Favorite in the South? Who knows? So, that's just my spiel on the Panthers for today. Yeah, I mean, quickly on the hires, Frank Reich, I think it's a good one. I'll agree. I don't think he got a fair shake in Indy. I think he was the fall guy for a group above him, decision-making-wise, that brought in just failed experiment after failed experiment. The first rendition of this went relatively well. They brought in Phillip Rivers for a sunset season and actually made the playoffs and were actually fairly pretty good team, honestly. Uh, but then after that, it was Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan and the young guns behind those two were equally bad and just I mean, more inexperienced than anything. But uh, all in all, the quarterback play has been atrocious outside yeah. of, like I mentioned, one above average Philip Rivers season, which happened while we were still in college, to give you an idea how long ago that was. So I think it is a uh, high time for Jimmy Irsay to stop trying to hire, hire Jeff Saturday as the damn coach. For the oh, they're doing like 12 hour interview days. Yeah, he tweeted today that it would be a matter of days, not hours, until they make that decision, which just makes me think he's waiting for a Friday news dump to announce Jeff Saturday. I, if you want to tank, sure. We've already seen this tried with the interim tag, and it went horribly wrong. And it just amazes me where guys like Saturday could get a full-time job when people who had the interim tag that were very successful, a guy you're well aware of, Steve Wilkes, Mm-hmm. Don't even get a chance. So that's and just mind-numbingly stupid to me. He uh, got picked up by the 49ers today. So yep. he is going west to be the defensive coordinator out there. Um, touching on a little bit on quarterback rooms, he's not coming into a great one here. It's bad. <laughs> the whole division's bad, though, to be fair. Yeah. So that's, I would call that a wash, which Either you can work with. Find a way to trade up, get like a Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. I don't want Levis. I don't want Anthony Richardson. I don't know what people see in them. But, I mean, we haven't seen anything out of Matt Corral. So. And Sam Darnold didn't play god-awful the past four or five weeks. So, who knows? He might be a quarterback whisperer, hopefully. Um, it'll be fun to – just fun to see. Um, I'm <laughs> – got to be better than the last one. So. Right. I think that's a that's a good, fair goal to set early. I mean, defensively, too, you mentioned the new, new D.C. hire coming from Denver, which was also a disaster, also because of quarterback play. Uh, but again, I mean, he turned Patrick Sertain, Justin Simmons, a couple more talented guys there. Bradley Chubb actually got dealt midseason to Miami. But, I mean, when you give him talented players, he turns those players into a quality defense, even in more of the more, more dysfunctional organizations this year um, in Denver. So I think if he comes east, gets similar Star talent, maybe a bit younger, needs to be developed a bit more. I think he's capable of that, and that defense can still 
at least give them a shot to win, uh, whether it be Sam Darnold or Corral or someone else we've yet to consider that quarterback on offense. And the Panthers got talent on defense. We we get Absolutely. a healthy J.C. Horn. That's a, that's a lot down number one corner. Brian Burns is obviously a proven stud on the D end. Jeremy Chen, uh, Frankie Louvu had a breakout season this year. Derek, we got guys on defense, so I'm not worried about the defense. More worried about the offense. Keep some of those pieces. So who knows? Panthers might go to the playoffs next year. Could have been, made it this year if we decided to play against Tom Brady, but he has now left the division open for us after he has announced his second retirement. Kind of out of the blue. Just a little quick little video. I guess he he said you only get one big retirement, so this is what you're getting now. Right. I think the six week hiatus he he learned a lot from. He didn't want to repeat that process. Uh, I think it's good that he's kind of quelling the initial thoughts of here we go again. Uh, but I think that in his media tour recently, he's been pretty adamant that if he does come back, it's not going to be now. And obviously, obviously, if it's not now, then when will it ever be? Uh, he's slated to start in the booth at Fox in 2024. So he'll take a year off from football on the field and in the booth, it would appear. So well-deserved rest. I I don't think he'll come back. I don't see nah, a reason why he'd come back. I think, honestly, done. he should have retired after he beat Kansas City. Um, dominant 31-9, to I think, win over the Chiefs. Yeah, in Tampa in Super Bay. Bowl. Right. Like, it was at symbol. the home stadium. Like <laughs> That's the perfect right. send-off. Yeah, I mean, almost led an insane, almost 28-3-level comeback last year against the Rams in the NFC Championship game to reach another Super Bowl and have a chance at ring number eight. Uh, that would have been an all-time game. You know, talk about previous generation, current generation at quarterback. Um, maybe a changing the guard win for Joe Burrow if that had been the matchup. Who knows? But uh, I think that, yeah. And, it's. I mean, we saw it with Phillip Rivers, too. We touched on him a little bit just not giving it up and just, I guess, being the last one that realizes it's time. Uh, I think the team around Brady broke down more than he did this year with all the injuries they had. Uh, yeah. They finally rid themselves of Antonio Brown and his BS, but obviously uh, yeah, a lot of guys banged up. wasn't healthy at all. And right, exactly. you can't have that with a 45-year-old quarterback. Like, I'm sorry. I know yeah. he's on the TB12 method and all, but he don't move like he used to. And he was he's, never, like, the most right. athletic quarterback. Like, he could not escape once. and all, but. Right. Yeah, good, great was, career. I mean, obviously, great career. Three, probably three Hall of Fame careers if you break it down by decade. Um, oh yeah, he's yeah, greatest player of all time. I think that's so, pretty safe. It's gonna be weird. All those great quarterbacks that we grew up with are gone. Um, I don't right. know if you really consider Matt Ryan in that. I think I mean, he's, you can. He's yeah. Towards the end, and also, I don't. Is he fully retired yet? Either I don't think he's officially. I don't think said. he is. I think he's kind of waiting, which is yeah. fine. Big Ben, the Mannings, Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, Tom Brady, all those guys are they're they've hung it up and now we've got a new crop which is picking out right where they left off. So Oh without that, a doubt. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know if like Mahomes or somebody's gonna get to Brady level, but if he gets two this early, yeah. Don't want to put the pressure on him, but you, you never know. You never know. Right. It puts him per, into perspective how just stupid that Patriots run, run was for Brady. And then he left and quelled the system quarterback rumors fairly quickly with a ring in Tampa Bay, like we mentioned, at his home field against an up-and-coming team like the Chiefs who had just won a Super Bowl. So, I mean, uh, like you mentioned, the 4 draft class, that was Big Ben, Eli Manning, and Phillip Rivers. And, uh, I mean, this 2020 draft class, if Tua can get on the field and stay healthy, You've got Burrow, Herbert, and obviously Tua. So, I mean, that's yeah. 
not nearly there yet, but if you want to set the table for maybe a succession uh, as far as draft classes go, that would be the one to look at, especially with the QB crop this past draft led by Kenny Pickett, who fine yeah. player, not a generational talent. College, I don't think college quarterbacks. <laughs> and we don't have generational talent in this year's draft either. I don't believe a quarterback. Um, so I think we got serviceable quarterbacks in this draft starters yeah yeah that's yeah right Uh, no trevor lawrence isn't it no not even a fields when was the last time it was like a pure generational quarterback i mean joe burrow i mean would you i mean Eh, we don't know at the time though honestly would you have considered justin herbert justin herbert's not a generational quarterback no because i think he's 1a 1b with burrow in his own draft class i mean guys like luck and Lawrence are one in a decade plus, which is kind of by design what that means. So Lawrence, I think that's Brady Manning. Right. And Brady and Manning were both hindsight as well. I mean, Manning's career is kind of built around beating Tom Brady twice in the yeah. Super Bowl. So, and we're also putting some big weights on Trevor Lawrence's shoulders right now. So yeah, no pressure kid. <laughs> um, so you got anything else in the NFL until Thursday? No, that's it. I'll have a little prop card ready. I'm sure Baylor has some interesting ones too. He's more of the prop guy, so it'll take me a little longer to get put together. But Big I have prop, player prop guy that never hit, but <laughs> right. But uh, I have full faith in us as a collective and individually that we will get you guys a profitable card for your Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Um, I guess in other sports world, uh, Clemson basketball's back, baby. The Fighting Brad Brownells are back. The roller coaster (laughs) that is Brad Brownell and his tenure of, I think, 13 years now um, has has turned sharply in a direction that it had not gone all season, frankly. After some early puzzling losses, his team was rolling. They did drop two games this past week. One, a classic Brownell loss at Boston College. uh, Had trap game written all over it. uh, Had some odd injury news prior to that game so i'll give him the benefit of the doubt there but then thankfully brevin galloway survived and played this weekend and lost a frustrating off his hands lost a frustrating game to miami unfortunately that dropped us out of the ap poll as it frankly should when you hang around towards the tail end of it it's very very tough to stay in with a loss let alone two so yeah honestly ap poll i don't care just like college football doesn't matter decides nothing for the big dance, and that is the NCAA tournament, which I think Clemson is still in good position with. Yeah, but I think we slipped off the eight-nine line. Yeah, and Miami's a good team. That is a Absolutely. good team. They are yeah. scrappy on defense. They can shoot the ball. Wong, who has been there for I think seven years now, it feels like one of those COVID guys. He gets hot and can score just about anywhere on the court. We saw. I mean, they just ran Duke out of the arena last night. Yes. Um, so. I mean, I think Clemson, we get a week off basically this week. We're not playing until Saturday against North Carolina. I do believe we are at North Carolina. Yes, we are. So looking to uh, not start another very extremely long losing streak there. So I still got high hopes for this team. I feel like we can make somewhat of a run if we get matched up against the right teams in the NCAA tournament. But I'm not holding my breath completely because I know what we're also capable of on the other end. Right. We've, we've seen the upswings and the downswings. There have been far more upswings than downswings this year, but there's still that kind of cautious uh, back-of-your-mind thing where you got to realize that, you know, 
as much as things seem to go right all the time, they can easily flip. And I mean, this is very savable. We still sit atop the ACC. So I think it's very, very kind of funny looking yeah. back historically of teams we've complained about and then looking at, we're still clinging to that slim lead to top the conference. Uh, Virginia lost Virginia Tech Saturday, which helped a ton. And it uh, looks like Wake Forest is still up huge on North Carolina as they enter the five-minute mark in the game. So um, North Carolina going to be coming back home, tail between their legs. Uh, tough close loss to Duke on Saturday. And it looks like they're going to drop another one in North Carolina. So like Bailey said, um, a lot still to be had for this Clemson team. A lot still in front of them, despite some conference losses that obviously with regression were going to happen. Uh, but I think the game in Chapel Hill Saturday and then our lone matchup with Virginia are going to be very, very big for our ACC outcome. Yes. Um, what is our remaining conference schedule? We got at North Carolina this weekend, obviously. Always a tough game no matter how the teams are. Got Florida State at home, and we beat them at Florida State the other week, thanks to a Chase Hunter layup and one. So that would be a tough game. Louisville. <laughs> we better win that game. I don't yeah. care how much it's by. Uh, Syracuse, um, Bayheim, all like that zone. Like they're a good team. I don't think they're great anymore, but it's at, at home. home that helps. Yeah. At NC State is going to be tough. They're ranked right now, and then following NC State, three days later, we travel up to Charlottesville. For probably a nice 48 to 46 matchup against Virginia. We can hope, yeah. And then we end the season with uh, Notre Dame at home, which I just forgot they're in the ACC. So, yeah, they're not scared of us in basketball, only football. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's Clemson's remaining ACC schedule. Uh, hopefully, they finish it out strong, get a nice little run in the tournament. It would be nice to have a regular season ACC championship. I think I mentioned in the last show we haven't won it since like 1939 or something like that. Or been a minute. I think that, yeah. I think that was the last conference championship we got, and our last like regular season was 80. Flip flop vice versa. Do the math yourself. Um, not a great basketball school, but uh, no. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, otherwise in college sports news, uh, football. We got a former Clemson defensive coordinator, who is known for a great defense, great defensive effort. In the Orange Bowl, Kevin Steele is heading to Alabama for his third stint with Nick Saban. Uh, he has had stops at Auburn the past couple of years, um, recently at Miami. He's a good D coordinator. I think he just ran into a, an insane offense with uh, Tavon Austin. Um, and that, that West Virginia offense was stupid. Yeah, a lot of names. Uh, one of the still more painful losses in We'll call it recent history for Clemson, so that kind of stuck with him, unfortunately, throughout his career and his various stops. But uh, I think that, I mean, Saban has rehabbed just about everybody. Uh, the only person that's really ineligible for his rehabilitation services right now is Jeremy Pruitt. <laughs> he's not He's not uh, eligible for a lot of things right now. <laughs> right. Well, when you go five and seven and you're giving out McCash, uh, I think that draws a lot of ire to any respectable football program, especially after you lead one that was anything but. Uh, but, you know, best job in college football is fired football coach. And uh, Tennessee tends to aim for the stars with salary, so I'm sure he is living just fine wherever he is right now, killing time until Saban will take him under his wing. But, I mean, Steele, I think he'll be another addition to this Alabama staff. And obviously we've seen this kind of carousel continue 
really since Clemson really came to power as far as the national picture. Uh, they seem to lose coordinators all the time. Mike Loxley, Jeremy Pruitt was one. Lane um, Kiffin. There's several, several more. Right. The list Strategy goes on. Kirby Smart. You, you, name a right. coach more than likely went to Alabama. Right. And they're in prominent spots, have been in prominent spots, and will continue to be in prominent spots if they keep, uh, again, rehabilitating their image, uh, kind of their tape, their accolades, whatever you want to call it, and then uh, venture elsewhere. I thought it was interesting, though, Alabama on offense tried to hire Washington's Offensive coordinator who led one of the best air attacks in the country this year with Michael Penix Jr. in the sale getting out west. And I guess my question was, who at receiver does Alabama have to entice a move like that from a coordinator with that much success in the passing game? Uh, it's just rare that Saban doesn't get who he wants a coordinator. But I thought as far as that pursuit, it didn't really make sense from yeah. uh, forgetting his name. I apologize. But the uh, offensive coordinator for an incredible vertical offense in Washington. One of the guys that they were also looking at went to the Patriots. Yeah, they've they've had to go to third and fourth options in, in uh, Tuscaloosa for offensive coordinator. And they brought rare. in they brought in an offensive coordinator that knows how to work in offense without a major uh, target on the outside. Uh, Tommy Reese obviously coming from Notre Dame. Offense this year was uh, outside of Michael Mayer and running the ball. Yeah. Boy, was that bad, and Clemson lost to him. But that was not the defense's fault. Um, we went over that at nauseum uh, that week after that. But right, he runs a. I mean, he runs a kind of an Alabama style, like pro style. They still want that pro style and throw it over the top of you. So he's got that in him. I think they're good hires. Um, Kevin Steele runs that Alabama defense. Um, he knows the Nick Saban. Nick Saban way. Nick Saban doesn't want like their defensive players to be learning different terms left and right, left and right each and every year. He bring, he brings in those guys that he has coached with them at some point, so they kind of knows their vocabulary. So it all translates very well. That's why we see them always an amazing turnover. Right. And before we exit the carousel, do you think there's any real chance Tommy Reese could succeed Nick Saban in Alabama? Because that was the one yeah. thing that made no sense to me with respect to Reese and his ascension through the coaching ranks, is that if you're at a spot like Alabama, usually it's because something hasn't worked out prior. And I thought his first year went fine at Notre Dame. Uh, again, I'll mention it one more time just to rub it in, but they did beat Clemson, and that's a big win, uh, regardless if we're quote-unquote down when in double-digit game still. So I think that it's interesting to me that he chose to leave where he attended and played. Uh, to go down south to Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that was like also uh, the other coordinator got promoted ahead of him. That's true too. Yeah. So it might have been like he might have just. I don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm speculating here, of course. Right. But, yeah. Um. You know, I mean, it's 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 not the best feeling ever to be working for a guy that got promoted instead of you. So. Right. I, I mean, friction behind the scenes. Who knows? Who's going to pass up an opportunity to go coach at Alabama? Come on now. Right. At any age, that doesn't really matter. Yeah, you're going to take that opportunity. And he's like 36, I think. So, I mean. Yeah, I still remember him playing in school. Right. He's got a whole long coaching career as long as he'd like it, especially if he succeeds at Alabama, because as we've mentioned, that leads to just about any job you can think of. So uh, I think he's well on his way to a medium college football program higher. Uh, should he succeed leading the tide on offense? Uh but we talked about the GOAT of the NFL and Tom Brady, and we talked a little bit about the GOAT of college football coaching Nick Saban. 
We got to talk about one more goat, Bailey. That's LeBron James. Because it's about 8.50 right now. In about an hour, hour and a half, he's going to tip off against my Thunder on TNT. <laughs> a game that's on TNT definitely because of the Thunder and not because LeBron James is 36 points away from breaking the all-time scoring record in the NBA. Do you want it to happen against your Thunder? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just to... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't care. If, if that's what it takes to get our damn games on TV... Score 60. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> coming off an embarrassing loss to the Warriors last night, I think it's a great spot to uh, watch the youngest team in the NBA try and bounce back against a legend in LeBron James trying to add to his legendary accomplishments. Uh, Lou Dort out tonight, so I really do think it is truly possible that uh, this happens. I mean, Clay Thompson had his first good year, or excuse me, a good game in four years last night. So shout out to him for that, I guess. Um, you know, when you win it. a. When you win a comeback player of the year award over two people that survived cancer because you tore your ACL, you got to put on a show. And uh, Clay did do that, had been it all last yeah. night. So, uh, Thunder in need of a bounce back. This is a huge spot for them. Nothing really to lose here. All eyes are on the Lakers and LeBron, whose points prop, as you may be alluding to, is at 32.5. And a ton of people are on the under, thinking he may sandbag just a little bit because their next game is Thursday night in Milwaukee, where Kareem also spent time in his playing career. So. Think about that. Um, yeah, so potential for maybe a nice, smooth, easy 25, 26 points. And then he goes get 35. to Milwaukee and uh, gets the sky hook to fall for the record there. Uh, some speculation that may be the shot he goes to to break the record because of some shenanigans in warm-ups. Uh, he was draining at warm-ups, so we'll see. I don't think it was well, a shot. He's always had that little hit. trick shot where he just kind of... Right. Because that famous uh, Olympics video when they're playing horse and he does his little... Up over, up over, up over, hook shot. Like, right. There's really not a shot on the court he can't hit, to be honest. Yeah. He's hit just about all of them. He scored 38,000 points. Uh, Kareem obviously has the record now at 38,387. So, again, LeBron needs 36 to reach that. We'll see. I might, you know, might dabble in that game. Might hit a little, another little player prop for that game, but on a different team. Uh, one that me and Grayson usually really enjoy. Uh, looking at, but speaking of players, I, along with Grayson, now have a personal vendetta against none other than Paul, PG, Playoff Paul, 13, whatever you want to call him. Thunder legend. <sighs> that, I, I want to cut so bad, I want to. Just let it out, Bailey. Explain, a, explain to our tens of listeners what happened yeah, to you last night. I had night. a nice little four-legged four parlay last night. Um, let me go real quick to see what it was, just to be, be sure, be sure, be sure, be sure. Okay. I had a nice little four-legged parlay last night. You know, the Celtics minus 10, Clippers minus 8.5. Celtics were playing the Pistons, Clippers playing the Nets, Kings minus 7 against the Rockets. The Golden State Warriors, as Grayson mentioned, against his Thunder. Celtic covered with like a couple minutes to spare. You know, the Kings ended up covering. The Golden State Warriors ended up covering. But one mofo ruined the whole thing after a stupid game in general. Shots were going up left and right. We had enough, We had a guy going 40 points back-to-back games. They're making floaters out there. Back crack. And then it's a seven-point game with about 30, 45 seconds left. Paul George gets fouled. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, baby, we're about to do it. We're about to do it. 
We're going to hit the biggest parlay of like 10 bucks. You know, I'm the big gambler. Makes the front end, misses the second, game over. Nets cover. I was not happy. The back-to-back 40 points he alluded to uh, in the midst of that was Cam Thomas, who in the wake of Kyrie taking his talents and also BS to Dallas, uh, something we didn't mention, but Kyrie, as you guys have all seen by now, traded to the Mavericks, um, addition by subtraction for the Nets, who are now looking to retool around Kevin Durant should he not become a Phoenix Sun. There's some speculation there, but reports today indicating that he may stay put in Brooklyn past this Thursday's deadline, but it's the NBA, so who knows. Uh, but yeah, Cam Thomas, since that game, has come off the end of the Nets bench and has exploded back-to-back games with 44, and I think he had 47 last night. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, he had 91 points in two games, which is and he's more 26 than... tonight. Does he really? Okay, so they're yeah. two and a half quarters into the Nets game tonight. It's actually the TNT doubleheader front end is that game. Uh, so yeah, he... Uh, he has played himself into some playing time. I, I think it's safe to say. Um, talented player out of college. Just didn't really get a big shot with the Nets, but now they're kind of in, you know, freak out and figure things out mode. Him and uh, Edmund Summer have been going off. Some names that not familiar to many. But I think a lot of people are learning the names now because he's at 120 points now, something like that, in the last mm-hmm. 10 and a half quarters. So. I mean, that's more points than Ben Simmons has since COVID. So I think that's uh, that's something to really keep an eye on. Hottest player in the league right now, approaching some form of Linsanity run if he keeps these 40-point nights up because uh, the Nets are really in no-pressure mode now with Durant announced today out through the All-Star break. So it's really guys just playing for playing time right now, and it's exciting to see. And they ruin if shit. It Right, at Bailey's expense, unfortunately. But uh, if you need a reason to watch the Nets without Kevin Durant, Cam Thomas is the name to watch. Um, but uh, teams that don't ruin me, uh, my Kings, who y'all know I'm an avid, lifelong fan of, basically just beat down the Rockets last night. Um, 140 to 120. Um, yeah, that sounds right. 51 points, or 51% from three. Amazing, but... They're just hot. They're they're young. They're scrappy. They're good. Um, third in the East or West, excuse me. So, suck on that thunder. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> one of the best stories of the first half of the NBA season. They sit third in the West at the moment. Uh, Mike Brown coaching up Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox. You know who they play uh, Thursday night? Who's that? The Rockets. Yeah, least. there's this weird wrinkle in the NBA schedule where they'll play back-to-backs against the same team, sometimes in the same city, sometimes in a different city. And yeah, it makes no just, sense. Uh, they did I it a re- couple weeks ago with the Timberwolves. They'd already done it with the Rockets. Right. I mean, you can't play the Rockets too many times. That's the worst team in the NBA by a country mile. But I think in general, that's a weird thing I notice when I glance at scores uh, to start the evening. So I think that's it's mildly entertaining. You get another shot at a team that you just lost to or just beat. Uh, I'll try and come back and get theirs the next night. So uh, I don't know if it's intentional or just some new thing they're trying with the schedule, but I think it's been a net positive. Obviously I am the only regular NBA viewer within this podcast and it's various guests. So, uh, you know, just random quirk with the schedule this year. Teams will play a day or two apart, same team back to back nights, like Bailey's mentioned. And, uh, it's been kind of entertaining, but whatever yeah, you bet them. one night, probably bet the other side the next. Oh yeah, no. If you want to try and bet these things and you know use the first game as 
uh, evidence for the second game, I would uh, strongly advise you not do that because with the NBA a lot of nights, as Bailey has learned recently, the outcome that makes the least amount of sense is what's going to happen. So yep. uh, that's Figuring just that out how it works. But that's the uh, just the post-COVID state of the association, to be honest with you. So nothing new, but some people, unfortunately, still learning the painful lesson as Bailey is. But today's a new day. Um, hopefully the Knicks will come back for us. They cut it to a point with about five minutes left, so that's going to get pretty sweaty down the stretch, it seems like. But, uh, yeah, that's the NBA. Like I mentioned, trade deadline is this coming Thursday, about 3 p.m., memory serves correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably have a blog out on Friday recapping any deals that come down the wire. Uh, Walker Kessler headed to Bailey's Kings today. That was just one of the minor moves that kind of yeah. get the party started. It was a freeing, up, freeing right. up stuff for the Nets. So. Right. And in Kyrie, obviously, the big trade, and I don't think that will be topped, sans a mm-hmm. Kyrie, or excuse me, sans a Kevin Durant deal. Uh, not a lot of star power, per se on the move, or at least up for it. Uh, Miles Turner, a longtime rumored Celtic for the Pacers, signed an extension recently. They've kind of uh, drawn back any attempts to get him moved out of Indianapolis. So, um, yeah, not a ton of star power. Uh, at least is what we thought, and then Kyrie Irving gets traded. So you never know. But uh, in general, I don't think we'll see another trade of that magnitude. Again, unless Durant gets traded, and then the whole thing just goes just nuclear chaos, honestly. But, um, you know, barring that, should be an entertaining deadline. Always is. Deals flying all over the place. Uh, my guy, Sam Presti, is a master. Can't wait to see what veteran he brings in next to rehabilitate. But, again, I will do my best to get a blog out recapping that should you not have Woj or Shams on Twitter. Yeah. Um, you got anything else on NBA or anything other? Uh, that should do it. Uh, LeBron, please – break the record tonight so they will have an excuse to put my beloved thunder on tv again because this is probably the last tnt game of the season and it is february so um speaking of blogs um don't know why but i've just gone full in on golf i've already put up two post weekend recaps uh from the last couple tournaments you know just something to keep me entertained for a little bit uh this week as i mentioned earlier they are at the phoenix open in at tpc scottsdale Always a fun tournament to watch with hole 16, stadium course. It's the people's tournament. Um, I really don't know who's the, really the ideal favorite going into it. I mean, you got your top guys like Rory McIlroy, Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, etc. So, but golf. I mean, we all know it's such a toss-up. But be on the lookout for more blogs like that. Um, and just a fun week. We might retweet some videos, stuff like that. So be on the lookout for those. Yeah, definitely going to look for some more written content, Twitter stuff with football dying down. So, you know, our eyes won't be glued to TV screen with football on Saturday and Sunday or even Sunday after this coming week. Thursday, Friday. Yeah, all the football days will leave us, unfortunately, for the spring and summer months. But we'll have plenty to keep track of and we'll do our best to keep pushing blogs out to keep you up to date on all of that, especially with baseball coming up. We're all big baseball fans, so... Expect a lot of that, both professionally and collegiate, because things are looking up across the street. A week and a half away? We're getting close. Softball, too. Clemson is a softball juggernaut. This is year five or six of the program, uh, led by standout 
really two-way player, uh, Valerie Kegel, who's essentially the Shohei Otani of the softball universe, except for she gets credit where it's due and has not been snubbed as badly for MVP. So there's that. But Ooh, ten uh, days. Yeah, First we're getting inside two weeks. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Looking at Binghamton, Bing, Binghamton, 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 Binghamton. Whoever that is, is coming to Clemson. So. A check game. Um, yeah. First first year of Eric Backage. Um, just make the re- just make a regional. I mean, yeah. I'm not, not expecting Super Regional, not College World Series, not an ACC championship. No. Like we got out of uh, Monty Lee. But those well, we all know those are Jack Leggett's guys. Right. <laughs> so, you know, just get, make the playoffs. I'll be fine with that. So a, a gradual return to levels we have become used to and have been deprived of recently would be get outstanding. Us, get us back to that blue blood level that people know us as. I mean, we may not have won a national championship, but right, people know the name, people know the look. So yeah, I mean, if you can build a successful program at Michigan, I, I think given the right tools, facilities, all that stuff, which he has at Clemson, then. Uh, Things are looking up for both him and the program. So it'll be exciting as we dip under two weeks until opening day for college baseball, mentioned softball, Clemson. Really an incredible run to start the literal program, looking to continue, uh, again, led by Valerie Cagle and uh, a lot more talent behind her, both pitching and hitting, which is great because it really was her and just her <laughs> initially. Yeah. Uh, so that's really turned into a true dangerous team uh they're they made it to a super regionals last year i believe or, so yeah yes because they went to alabama i think after winning right i think they did our regional yeah. so um, they, so they yeah, uh, each year they just took a step forward so one of these one of these seasons they're right. going to the i don't know where they play tulsa i believe they play in oklahoma oklahoma city i think it's yeah, yeah. one of the one of those the state oklahoma. of oklahoma <laughs> yeah one of those midwestern flyer states but, yeah, I mean, probably expecting great things on the diamond this year from both Clemson teams. Right. And I mentioned softball because I actually was on lunch today at work, and I'm thankful to live closer to Clemson to where I get 105.5 now on my radio. So I was listening to Quark interview Valerie Cagle, uh, something that's not super common. She's a little shy and reserved off the uh, softball diamond, but gave an interview I thought it was Really insightful, really interesting to hear. I don't think I'd ever actually heard her do an interview before, and I'm sure she has. It's not super commonplace. Obviously, our Twitter feeds with respect to Clemson's dominated by football. So, um, yeah, super insightful. Just looking to continue the uh, progression both individually and collectively as a team. And uh, she mentioned focusing more on just kind of cutting loose, having fun, enjoying it, and not worried too much about the numbers. And uh, I think that – if she was stressed and playing like she was, then if she's uh, laid back a little more relaxed, then uh, that's going to put the whole softball kind of world on notice as good as she is. So she enters her junior season and uh, lots of reasons to be excited about that program. Yeah. So got anything else for tonight? I think that's it. Uh, I'll apologize on behalf of Jacob for meeting with his boss. Some people call that a girlfriend. Some a boss just kind of depends. Uh, Seth Baker. <laughs> Frequent guest, big Clemson guy, not a lot of Clemson things going on, at least positively, on the field of play with basketball dropping. Let's, two let's games. be honest, he's a Clemson football guy. Okay, yeah. Seth Baker does not care unless it's <laughs> Clemson football. We'll just kind of lay it out like that. Um, so he is, as he said, out of pocket, which he has no idea the uh, 
official five-year run of that word phrase meaning something completely different mm-hmm. but uh it's seth and we still love him so uh, hopefully we'll hear from him soon yep so y'all know the drill you know where to find us 1009 pod at the 1009 pod 1009pod.com etc etc um might be making a tiktok here soon just to kind of you know get some clips get some fun out there join the buzz that is sports and tiktok so be on the lookout for more content like that yeah we'll blast that link everywhere should we get one so keep an eye out for that and uh other than that we will be here next week and uh let you know what we think about the super bowl deuces subscribe